don't worry, um, for those of you guys who are checking out my preaching binder today and think, oh, my goodness, like, church should be almost over by now, and we're just getting started. And look at that, girls. Look at her binder. It is so big. Don't worry about it, guys. I promise you, I couldn't find my little one, even though my husband said, you know what, you could probably cut about three pages off your notes today. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> God is good, and he wants to encourage you and, and, and love on you, and I believe he's already doing that. So we're just going to go ahead and flow right into the word and uh, just know that God is going to continue to encourage you. And I don't feel bad for asking you guys to bow your heads and pray again because the Bible says that the church should be a house of prayer. So we're going to just pray again that God will touch us and open our hearts to his word. Amen. Father God, we just thank you for who you are, Lord. We thank you for this sermon series, Lord God, because we don't want to be those Christians that are blinded to the enemy's schemes. God, we want to be awake. God, we, we want to be alert. We want to know, Lord God, what you're doing, and we want to know how to fight off the attacks of the enemy. And so, God, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus that you would give us ears to hear your word today, God. God, I thank you right now in Jesus', in Jesus name that you would give us the, the discernment and the gumption that we need to walk out your living word today, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you for every heart to be softened. We break every lie of the enemy right now. In Jesus' name, we proclaim your truth that sets the captive free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we've been on this series called Bulletproof, and today is week three. And uh, we're talking about the full armor of God. And super excited. I'm going to start with reading the scriptures in Ephesians 6, 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. Mm. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on your full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. Friends, today we're talking about that breastplate of righteousness. See, the breastplate was the central part of the Roman soldier's armor. It provided protection to the torso area that contains the most vital organs, the lungs, the heart. If the enemy would have attacked the Roman soldier without the breastplate on, it would have been a deathly attack. We need the breastplate, just like the Roman soldier needs the breastplate. See, we, a good picture, and I'm not sure because I didn't have time to look at my PowerPoint, so wake up, son. Is there a picture there with the uh, bulletproof vest? There we go. Okay, that's the Roman soldier's breastplate. Is there a bulletproof vest? There it is. That's kind of how I look at it today. This series is called Bulletproof, and when I look at the breastplate of righteousness, that's what I see today. That bulletproof vest that when the attacks of the enemy, the Bible calls them the flaming arrows of the enemy, 
okay? When they come against us, they're going to bounce right off when we're protected with the breastplate of righteousness. See, because the breastplate of righteousness protects our heart, our spiritual heart. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. I think that verse sounds pretty important, don't you? That's why we need to have the breastplate in, in place. See, the heart, according to the Bible, is the centerpiece of the soul. Now, for those who don't know, we are made up of, of three parts. Just like God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God, three parts. He made us in his image, and we are made of three parts. We are not just flesh. But we, we are body and we are soul, and we are spirit. The spirit is what needs to be born again to reconnect us to God. But oftentimes God will use the soul. And within the soul, there is the heart, friends. The heart is within the soul. It contains our, our, our emotions, our our. our Thoughts, all these things is contained within the soul, within the heart, friends. And the enemy wants to attack the heart because if he can deceive your heart, <laughs> if he can get you to follow your emotions, even when your emotions don't follow the word of God, well, friends, how many, how many people have you known that, I mean, I, we've been pastoring, don't let my youthfulness fool you. We've been pastoring a long time. <laughs> And I cannot tell you how many times that I've had someone tell me, but God just wants me to be happy. You are confusing the, the Constitution, the life, pursuit of life, happiness, or whatever it goes, with the Word of God. God does not say that. He wants you to be happy. Find me one Bible verse. Joy and happiness are two different things. Happiness is based on situations and circumstances. God wants you to be holy. Your flesh wants you to be happy because sometimes in order to be holy, you can't be happy. And we got to get it right. And that's why we need the breastplate of righteousness. Because if we do not allow the breastplate of righteousness to protect our hearts, the enemy will deceive us into trying to protect our own hearts. And what happens when we try to protect our own hearts is we harden our hearts. And that's when the Bible talks about the callous heart, the heart of stone. And that he wants to give us a heart that's, that's moldable and that's pliable so that he can speak to our heart and that we can, we can be moved by his spirit. But if we harden our heart because we're trying to protect our own heart, he said, you don't have to protect your own heart. I've given you armor. It's called the breastplate of righteousness. I can... Matter of fact, the armor is, you know, that's the armor of the Lord. It's not even our own armor. It's armor that's his armor that he's fitted for us perfectly. But, friends, we want to protect our own heart. And what happens when I see people do this, and I've seen it time and time. I've been pastoring, like I said, for a while now with my husband, and I've seen time and time when people follow the, de the, the deception of their emotions, they end up hardening their own hearts. Instead of putting their breastplate on, they try to put their own armor around their own heart. And, and friends, it, it, it usually makes them fall away from God uh, uh, unless God breaks through, and God can. 
But friends, let's not harden our heart. Let's not harden our heart and let's not follow the deception of our emotions. This is what the Bible says about the heart in Jeremiah 17:9. It says, The heart is deceitful. Hmm. Hold up. It's what? What what did I teach a couple weeks ago when I said the enemy's number one weapon is what? Anyone remember? Lies and deception. Hmm. Hold on, guys. Someone wake up in here today. The heart is what? Deceitful. The enemy's number one weapon is what? Deception. What do you think he's going to try to, how do you think he's trying to get into your life there? Through your mind and through your heart, friends, he's trying to deceive you. And so the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So when someone says, well, it's okay, just follow your heart. No. Don't follow your heart. Your heart is deceitful. Follow God and his word over your life because it will save you when your heart lies to you. Why follow a liar? Paul, why follow a liar? Right? I mean, Paul, you're shaking your head, but you need to amen me today. Why follow a liar? Thank you, Paul, waking my brother up. I'm preaching myself happy up in here today. <laughs> why follow a liar? Who wa- we don't want our president to be a liar. We don't, want, we don't want our husbands to be liars. We don't want our bosses to be liars. But the Bible says your heart is a liar. It is deceptive above all else. So when you hear that worldly counsel, because if somebody is telling you that in the church, they didn't learn that from the Holy Spirit. They learned that from the world. Thank you, son. Teach them. Teach them. Teach them. Why follow a liar? I'm sorry. I'm getting a little happy on that point here, okay? Righteousness, though. What righteous, righteousness, it simply means right standing in the sight of God. That's it. Righteousness. Right standing in the sight of God. So God is saying when you put on the righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, and you're in right standing before me, that's going to guard your heart. That's going to guard your heart. Friends, the greatest commandment in the Bible is what? Who remembers what Jesus said the greatest commandment is? Love God, okay? We love from our heart, right? We ask Jesus when he comes, comes into our life, where do we ask him to live? In our heart. And so we need our heart, okay? We need to sanctify our heart. We need our heart to be right before God. That's why we need the breastplate of righteousness over our heart. Because when we're in right standing with God, then we can follow the greatest commandment, which is to love God with all of our heart with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. And, and then the second uh, greatest commandment is what? Love, love others, basically. Love, love your neighbors as yourself. You can't do any of that if, you're, if your heart is not submitted to God's heart. And so today, I want to really talk to you about what we can do and how we can put the breastplate of righteousness on to protect Two very important relationships that we have, God and others. Because God wants us to love him, but he also wants us to love others, and we can't love anything if we are following our our heart without God's grace on our heart, without God's protection, without righteousness on our heart. We can only love a worldly way, and that's not true love. Agape, unconditional love, true love from God 
friends, that we can have in our heart if we give him control. And so I want to break down three ways on how we can make sure our relationship with God is protected through the breastplate of righteousness, and then three ways of how we can make sure our heart is protected with others through the breastplate of righteousness. And my husband didn't think I can do this, so I'm going to prove him that I can do it in 30 minutes. So come on, guys. You ready? Seatbelts on. Come on. Come with me. Click it. Click it. Come on. Come on, guys. Get, entertain me a little bit. Hey, click it. You, Ann Margaret, I didn't see you click. There, thank you. Click it. Click it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Here we go. Three ways. How the breastplate of righteousness can protect our hearts so that we can be in right standing first and foremost with God. Because if we ain't right with God, we can't be right with others. That's why God has to come first. Through Christ, number one. It's simple. Through Christ. Isaiah 59, the Lord put on righteousness as a breastplate, and he went out to fight evil and corruption. Hmm, isn't that interesting? Listen to what Isaiah 59, verse 16 and 17 says. He saw that there, were, there was no one, no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate, and the helmet of salvation on his head, he put on the garments of visions and wrapped himself with zeal as a cloak, friends. The Lord shares his righteousness with his children. We've got to get this right first and foremost. The only way we can be right with God and right standing righteousness means what? Right standing with God. The only way we can be in right standing with God is through Christ. He looked out and saw there was none, so he sent his own son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sin so that we could be righteous because our righteousness is like filthy rags. The Bible says there's no one righteous, no, not even one. So the only way we can be righteous is if we put on Christ, if we ask Christ to come live in our heart. Do you hear what I'm saying here, friends? We can't do it by our own merit. We can't do it by our own good works. We can't, we can't be righteous by trying hard enough. I am an overachiever. I'm serious. I'm an overachiever. I, was, I, I had learning disabilities growing up, and I was an overachiever. I tried out for the cheerleading squad, friends. I mean, and I grew up in a black neighborhood, and I had no rhythm. I mean, seriously. They were like, mm. But they was desperate because, like, everybody was quitting, so they needed one. I mean, they had to teach me to do this. I couldn't do this. I'm serious. I couldn't do this. I had to learn to do that. I had no rhythm. I mean, I, I, I was in, you know, slow classes, but I had a lot of trying in me. And I wasn't going to give up. So I tried really hard until I got into honors classes. And I tried really hard, and I practiced every day in cheerleading until I became one of the best and I became the captain. Because I'm an overachiever. And sometimes I do that in church. I like to get some stuff done. I'm the get-it-done person in church. But I have learned that even in my ability to overachieve, I can't get it done. My righteousness is of filthy rags, friends. In the Hebrew, where it talks about that in Isaiah in the Old Testament, it means, not to kind of gross you out here, but in the Hebrew, it means menstruation rags. Basically, God is saying our righteousness is like a pad. That's nasty. Filth, disgust. You have to be outside of the camp that time of the month. I, we kind of think, I think we need that again. That will save a lot of marriages. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Just send me on a vacation every week, honey. You'll be happier. I'll be happier. Come on. I'm down. Come on, ladies. You down? Let's go. Let's go on a week shopping trip every month. 
<laughs> All right, let's get back. Um, I hope that we could just not record that part. Okay. Um, <laughs> Hebrews 3.10 says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. The breastplate of righteousness is first and foremost the righteousness of Christ. It is upright living that aligns with the will of God. Righteousness is not good works. It is obedience to Christ out of our love for him. Jesus said, if you, if you love me, obey me. That's all. I mean, this, it's, it's not control. It's, it's, it's what we do because we love God. We want to please him. Because if it was control, then we wouldn't have free will and we wouldn't mess up so much. <laughs> Come on, somebody, wake up in here today. Righteousness helps us walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which we have been called. Righteousness comes through sanctification, friends. It means being set apart and being holy, knowing that you, you're set apart from the world. You're not the same. You're set apart. You don't do things. And that's why when Christians try to do things exactly the way the world do, they get themselves in trouble because we're not to act that way. We're to be set apart and we're to be holy, pleasing unto God. That is righteousness. And guess what? It does not happen overnight. It is through Christ, but it is a process, friends. The Bible even says the righteous person falls down seven times, but he gets on back up. So if you find yourself tripping, you find yourself falling, you're in good company. You're in good company because we all do. We stumble many ways, but we get back up. Someone say, I'm getting back up today. Mm-hmm. When Jesus has control of our heart, <laughs> he protects us against the attack of the enemy. It's through Christ. The second way to be in right relationship with God is through the word of God. Oh, I get really happy in this part. Through Christ, it's his righteousness he puts on us, not our own righteousness. Our own righteousness is filthy rags. The Bible says no one's righteous, not even one. We can't do it by good works. It's through Christ, our relationship with Christ. But God gives us a tool. It's called his Bible, the word of God. Psalm 119, 11, one of the first scriptures I ever memorized is I have hidden your heart or your word in my heart that what? I might not sin against you. The breastplate's protecting what again? Our heart. If we want our heart right with God, first it's through Christ and his sacrifice and resurrection on the cross. And then we need to take his word and we need to hide it in our heart so we won't sin against him. Why? Because sin separates us from God. It separates us from God. <laughs> if you're in sin and you feel like you're distant from God, well, that's because you're in sin. Or if you feel like you're in distant with God and you don't know why, how about you pray and you ask God, like, is there something going on? Have I done something to offend you? Anytime I cannot break through in prayer, I always start in repentance. God, forgive me. Forgive me for the, the wrong motive. Forgive me for the wrong thought. Show me, is there anything in my life that's not pleasing to you? And he sometimes shows me through the word. He sometimes shows me through another person. He sometimes whispers it in my ear. But anytime then I start to repent and I ask God to help me get it right, every time I'm right there again. But we need to get in the word because we must keep our, our mind on him. And sin separates us from God. Some people say, oh, I just don't have time to read the word of God. Friends, I, I tell young people all the time, it's 15 minutes a day. That's all you have. 15 minutes a day, and you can read the whole Bible through in a whole year. I'm talking from Genesis to Revelation, 15 minutes a day. Friends, we spend that much time in the bathroom on one potty break, some of us. Come on. 15 minutes a day. That's not that long. 
It's not that you don't have time for the word of God. It's that you have not prioritized the word of God. And that's what it is, friends. When Jesus was in the desert after a great victory, after he was baptized and the heavens opened up and God said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased, and the Holy Spirit came on him as a dove, and then he went to the desert and the enemy tempt him, the way he was able to overcome the enemy, who, guess what, used the word of God in some of his temptations, was knowing the Bible in the full context and being able to rightly divide the word of truth, friends. Start somewhere. I understand some of us are at different levels. Some of us have been preaching the Bible and knowing the Bible longer than I've been alive. Some of us have just come into this in the last couple months. But understand the Bible is important. For your relationship with God, the Bible is important. That's all I got time for right there. Let's leave it that alone. The third thing. So if we want to be right with God, it's through Christ, right? It's through the word. And now I want to say it's through prayer. It's through prayer. We've got to be praying. Leonard Ravenhill, if you guys don't know, if you haven't heard me quote him, I almost do every time I preach because he's my favorite old school revivalist. <sighs> read Why Revival Terries. It will wreck you. I try to read it once a year. It will wreck you. Just a small little book like that, Leonard Ravenhill, super good. But he says this. He says, a man who is not praying is straying. When we stop praying, we start straying. When we stop praying, usually we start playing with fire. Friends, we need it. we've got to be in prayer. I've asked somebody recently, like, are you praying about this? <laughs> no. Anytime, anytime you ever find, if you ever counsel somebody and they're, they're in the middle of sin, if you ever talk to somebody and, and life is falling apart around, around them and you ask them, have you prayed about it? What is God? Because you don't need me to tell you what God thinks. Go to God yourself and have a relationship, have a conversation. What does God think about this? The answer always is no, I haven't prayed about it. Friends. We've got to pray. A great theologian said, you got to pray just to make it today. Hey, hey. <laughs> just kidding. He was not a great theologian, but that was an awesome song back in the day. <laughs> We've got to pray. We've got to pray. I would encourage you, take some time to pray every single day. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. In approaching who? And we have confidence that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. The way to get rid of worry, the way to get rid of anxiety is to pray. When I feel worry and anxiety come on me and I'm frightened and I can't think straight, I got to go to prayer. I got to go to prayer. Sometimes I don't know how to pray, so I just, in the name of Jesus, show me, show me, oh, she's praying in tongues without interpretation. Yes, because it's a prayer language that's different than a prophetic word, and you're allowed to do that, friends. We've got to pray, and if you're not filled with the Spirit, you got to get filled with the Spirit. You need to ask God for a prayer language because the Bible says that sometimes you don't know how to pray, but I'm telling you, you got to always pray. But the Bible says sometimes you don't know how to pray. So you need to ask the Holy Spirit to come on you 
and to fill you with his fire. And I'm telling you, friends, if you ask and you believe, I've seen children as young as seven years old receive it because they believe it. If you ask and you believe it, you will receive it because it is a free gift to you. Just like salvation is the first work of grace, I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the second, first, the second work of grace and is a free gift for you. If you ask, he will help you. And the Bible says in Romans 8, look it up, that when I don't know how to pray, that the Spirit intercedes with moans and groans. This is the Bible, but, but, but we don't preach the whole Bible anymore, so people don't even know this. I just talked to a, a man, a young man my age, who great was raised up in a similar God church, went to Bible college, and he's telling me the church he's going to now, and he's asking me about my church, and, and I hope that he comes, checks it out and, and stuff, because he, he said, well, I didn't even know people talk about tongues anymore. I said, that's because wherever you're at, they're not teaching it, and faith comes by hearing. People still talk about it but not as much as they used to because we're letting, we're trying to build the church the way the world does and we get discouraged because this side's bigger than this side and, and we just plan it and we want it to blow up right away and we don't want to stay with something for the long haul. And so then we want to try to build it the way the world does and we want to go to all these market managing things and how can I do this and how can I do this and how can I make this better and we're fretting and, 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 and it doesn't even matter because you can have a church of 500,000 people and if they're not knowing the truth, they're going to have a church of 500,000 people who aren't even Christians. We've got to pray and when you don't know how to pray, friends, I promise you the Holy Spirit can pray. The Holy Spirit can pray within you. So I'm not trying to freak you out, but I want to tell you the truth. And if I look like a, a crazy person doing it, so be it. Because I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please God. And, yeah, I want to be your friend because I love people. But I, I love him more. I love him more. And we need the Holy Spirit. Can someone say we need the Holy Spirit? We need the Holy Spirit to help us pray. All right, so that's how we get right with God. Through Christ, through what? The Word, and through prayer. Now we want to talk about how to be right with other people because righteousness is right standing with God. But God wants us to not just love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but our neighbor as ourselves. And first of all, I said how to get right with God because we can't be right with other people if we're not right with God. And you can't force somebody to be right with God, friends. They got to choose that. But you can live at peace with all people as far as it depends on you. Amen? So how do we be right with other people? Let's break this down. How can we use the breastplate of righteousness to protect our heart so we can be in right standing with others? Number one, by asking God to help us forgive. Matthew 6, 15 says, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive you your sins. Friends, this is scary. This is scary stuff. God is saying, if you want forgiveness, you got to give forgiveness. But what if they did me really wrong? I'm talking serious stuff. I know, I know children who are or adults now who were molested and raped by their own family members, and yet God says we got to forgive others. I mean, that is rough. I know, I know adult men who have a hard time forgiving their dad because their dad abandoned them as a child, and yet God says we have to forgive others so that we can it's not just so that we can receive forgiveness, but because we have received forgiveness, we need to release that to others because if we don't, we hold ourselves captive. Does that mean you don't have a right to be mad? Oh, no, 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 Don't confuse it, friends. The Bible does not say anything that, that anger is sin. Oh, but anger is sin. Listen, I've been working this one out with God for like almost 40 years, friends. And anger is not sin. 
Man's anger is sin, but there is a thing called righteous anger. I get angry when I see somebody stuck on stupid and, and, and sinning. It makes me angry because I know that God has better for them. I know that I get angry when I see the devil messing with people's lives. I get angry when I see needless wars. I get angry when I look at poverty that's, that's going on, generational poverty going on in, in South Toledo. I get angry when I see people ruin their families and ruin their lives. I get angry. God gets angry. Look at how many times, come on, guys. Some people make a doctrine out of it, okay? It's also love, but God gets angry. It's man's anger that's wrong. But there is a righteous anger, and there's a fine line. What, what happens is we got to get angry, and we got to take that passion to prayer. Because I'm a fighter, and when I get angry, I want to take it to someone's face. I do. I don't know if you can tell. I'm a little bit passionate. And so when I get angry... I want to take it to someone's face. But I need to use that passion. God showed me when I first married my husband 16 years ago that that same passion that you have that you want to take to your husband and tell him about himself, can you please take that to prayer right now? Oh, God. But I need to let him know. Will you trust me to let him know? Oh, can't you use me to let him know, God? (laughs) I will be your mouthpiece right now. (laughs) Come on, right? We got to channel that passion the godly way. Because as my husband has taught me for 16 years, I still slip, that I could be 100% right in what I say and 100% wrong in how I say it. You don't need to clap that loud, son. We've got to forgive. We've got to let go and let God. When we, it is a natural response to want to protect ourselves, friends. We are human beings. When someone does something wrong to us, and I'm talking some serious things, from, from it, it could be something from a tra- traffic jam and, and you're taking out your, your road rage from work and from your, from your house on someone in the traffic jam, or it could be something for real, like it's something going on in your job, your family with your children, your wife, your husband, or whatever. But we've got to take that and we've got, to, we've, got to, we've got to use that by going to God, letting go, giving the person to God. There's been a couple times in my life. One time in 2013, I was in the hospital, and uh, I really believe I could have died. I had sepsis. It was just a really ugly time in our ministry. I was ready to quit the ministry. I was ticked at people. I'm like, God, this is, this is a mess. I had, pe- I had a lot of drama going on in my life, people lying and spreading rumors that weren't true. And it was just an ugly time. You remember that, son? You remember that. It was a mess. And so I was in the hospital, and my kids, I mean, this was 2013, so this was some years ago. My kids were young, and my husband was home, and I was kind of mad he was home because I kind of felt like he should have been by my side. But I'm glad he was home because God was there in that hospital room, and it was better than any pastor's retreat I've ever been on. And God showed up, and he spoke to me. I was afraid to open my eyes because I, I thought I was about to see him, and I didn't want to, like, die or anything. You know what I mean? Like, he was so thick in that place, and I felt his ministering angels around me, and, and God spoke a lot of things to me, but one thing that he asked me to do, because at that time, I was getting bitter, I was getting, I was mad, I, church hurt is, it's hard, you know, and, and pastors go through church hurt too, we just don't get to talk about it to anyone, unless you have a big mouth like me, <laughs> but I was hurt by church folks, and so I went to the Lord in this hospital room, and I said, God, no matter what, I will still serve you. 
and I will still worship you. And I began to raise my hands, and I began to worship, and he said, I need you to release these people. And he dropped names, friends. I'm talking about name dropping. And it was a list of people that I had to release that day. And I'm telling you, it was hard because I wanted to fix them. I wanted to, to make it better. He said, give them to me. That's what releasing means. And so I said a prayer of release. I gave those people over to him. Some of them are doing better now, and some of them are still stuck in their sin. But it's not affecting me anymore because I'm not holding on to unforgiveness because they're not mine. They're his. And guess what? My husband's not mine. My firstborn son is not mine. And all the other three Hester kids, they're not mine. This church is not mine. The church over there is not mine. My car is not mine. My job is not mine. I belong to the Lord, and everything I have belongs to him. So all I can do is release. I forgive. I choose to forgive. It's hard. It sucks. But we got to do it. We got to let go. Sorry for some of you who are offended that I just said the S word, but for real. It's hard. So if we want to be in right standing with other people, we got we to gotta forgive. Remember, our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? It's not against flesh and blood. Another way the breastplate of righteousness protects our hearts so we could be in right standing with others is by helping us ask forgiveness. Oh, Joshua, do, do my impression when I, when, when I roll my eyes. How, how do I do it? <laughs> That's what I do when God makes me humble myself and eat that old nasty humble pie. Oh, God. But you know they deserved it. Nope. That's not how you're to act. And I have got to go back and apologize. You know he made me do this when I was 19 years old and I first came into for real. I got baptized at 9. And I wavered back and forth. And then at 19, I got baptized again. I said, enough is enough. I'm not sitting on the fence anymore. I'm doing this for real. And he said, go back and repent to everyone. I'm like, what? I mean, he dropped people. I, I didn't even remember bullying when I was in junior high. Like, he dropped people's names like that. I'm like, I had to go back to everyone. I would run into someone I ain't seen in years at Walmart. He's like, right, right now, go over to him. Tell him you ain't the same. Right now, God, right now. And I had to do it. I had this lady doing my nails back then, back when I had money before I had kids and a husband and responsibilities, lived off the Thomases. It was, it was a nice life. I would get my nails done every week. And this lady would do my nails, and I bullied her daughter. And I didn't even remember bullying her daughter when I was, uh, I guess, I can't remember. I was either young and a freshman or in middle school, and I don't even remember doing it. But someone told me that I did it. And I'm like, no, because when, when you're born again and you're a new person, it's like, I, I didn't remember that life. Like, that was not me. That was, that was the demonic Joy Hester. That was not the saved, sanctified Joy Hester. You know what I'm saying? And so I couldn't even remember. I honestly still to this day do not remember. God didn't give me my memory back of what I did, but I believed this person. And, I, and God said, God made me go apologize to her for something I didn't even remember doing. And so I went and apologized to her and hugged her and cried. And she thought, this girl is crazy. But best believe she knew I was different. I mean, everyone he made me go back to. He made me go. He, I ran into an ex-boyfriend. This ex-boyfriend was trying to apologize for something. I said, listen, I'm, don't apologize to me. I'm so, I'm so thankful and grateful that we went through what we did because because of what I went through with you, I turned to God and my life is not the same. Ran into him a, a, a while ago. I don't got no bitterness towards that. Dude, that was not love anyways. 
I've only had one love in my life, and his name is Josh Hester. Everything else was false love because I was in the world. How could I love that? I didn't even know how to love. Right? So I ain't bitter. I'm not upset. As a matter of fact, I'm going to own up. The onus is on me for the things I did wrong. I'm going to own up to my part. Oh, and God makes me almost always apologize to my husband first. My mom told me this thing that I wish she never told me. The more mature person should apologize first. <laughs> I'm like, God, please mature him. Mature him, God. Let him apo- apologize first. But it almost hardly never happens. It's always me who has to apologize first. But I'm okay with it now because you know what? I've got to learn to ask for forgiveness. Because I've been forgiven. Bear with each other and forgive each other. If any of you have grievance against somebody, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave the gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. God is saying, if you're up here, you're worshiping and you're jumping up and down. And, well, maybe that was just me today. The rest of y'all got to get with that. And, and you're just like sweating because you're getting your worship on. And he drops something in your spirit like, listen, you know you weren't right. I had to apologize to my children. That's even worse than having to apologize to my husband. And I'm up here and I know that I did something wrong. I maybe corrected a little bit too harshly. You know, I don't, I don't apologize for the things that I do, I, the, the part that I do right, but the part that I do wrong. Just but this morning before I left, man, justice was on my nerves. He was crying, acting a, a crazy kid. And so I might have been a little bit too harsh and said, get up, up out of my face right now with all that stuff. And he might have been, ah, ah, following me down the steps. Listen, pastors have bad days getting to church in the morning too. I'm just like, pray for me, y'all. But before I walked out that door, I went over to that boy who was throwing a fit. He wasn't even mad at me anymore. He was mad at his dad because he got a spanking. But I, I got in his face and I said, listen, Justice, mommy might have been a little too harsh. I, I was thinking, I put him in a bad mood because I was, I was harsh. And that's why that boy got a spanking because he ain't going to come at his dad like this. So I got in his little face and I said, listen, mommy's sorry for being a little harsh. You need to behave yourself, get yourself together. You're going to church with your daddy. Bye-bye. But I made sure I, I, I got right first. He still was crying. Josh had to deal with him, not me, but I made myself right. <laughs> Because of this, friends, whoever claims to love God and yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. I hate liars. God hates liars. I don't want to be a liar. Forever, whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. That means if we're up there talking about, I hate my husband, who we have seen even if they've done us dirty and wrong, or my ex-husband, or my ex-wife, or whatever the situation is. Or my, my I know people who, who get so mad, their, their parents, they don't talk to their own mom who gave them birth for 8, 9, 10, 12, 13, 14, 15, 20 years. It happens. Because I don't want to be a liar. I don't want to be serving a God who I can't even see. And say I love him, and then say I hate the person that I do see. Who was made in his image, whether they're acting like it or not. They're still made in God's image. They may not be God's child. They may be in the world, but they were made in God's image, and they had the potential of eternity with God that lives in within them. We've got to love people, and we've got to forgive people. We've got to forgive those who do us wrong, and we've got to ask for forgiveness 
when we do someone wrong because the breastplate of righteousness protects our heart so that we could be in right standing with God and with others. Lastly, the breastplate of righteousness helps us truly love people. Someone say true love. A lot of people don't know what true love is because a lot of people are looking for from others what they cannot receive from others. They can only receive from God. If my husband would have raised up to what I wanted him to be all those beginning years when I complained so much about him, and if he would have ran to every single cry I had, he would, first of all, he'd been burned out by now. <laughs> Second of all, he would have put himself in the place of God in my life. I mean, women are deceived. Oh, but he's our high priest. Yes, he's the high priest. He's supposed to, in the home, he's the head of my house. Listen, he's the head of my house, but he did not die on the cross for my sins. Jesus did. And I have got to go to Jesus. It doesn't mean that you can't ever go to your husband or go to your wife when you have problems. But, friends, we got to be careful on who we put, on, we put as idols in our life. I have one Lord and one Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. And I'm so grateful that my husband was like, no, Joy, you need to go to prayer. I don't know how to help you. I'm like, what do you mean? The fairy tales say you're going to help me. Come on. What do you mean? Go to, go to prayer, baby. Go to prayer. I'll pray with you. I'll pray for you. But I can't fix that. Because this is the thing. Josh used to tell unwed women this. Oh, such good. He needs to break this out again. I haven't heard him say it in a while. This is old school. He used to say, find a man who loves a God he cannot see, and he will love his wife he does see. You find a man that loves God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength, then he can love his wife. You find, you find a woman that loves, I wasn't looking for Josh when I, was, when I was in the place where I found him. I was in love with Jesus. I was satisfied. They called me a nun. A charismatic, crazy nun without a robe on with high heels, but they called me a nun. <laughs> they was like, you're married to Jesus. I, I had a ring on my finger in college. Like, yep, sure am. Can I get your phone number? No. Let me give you a number, John 3.16. You need to know that God loves you. I'm serious. I, I mean, people, people got to the point where they, I just walked in such a way, these, they won't even come talk to me. So then when Josh and I interned at church together and I was realizing that I actually like him, I was like, oh, my gosh, but God, I don't want to like somebody. I love you. <laughs> and my friend was like, stop being so immature, Joy. Call him up. Oh, you made the first call. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. I didn't propose. I just called him up. And I said, do you like me? And he said, no. I said, okay, bye. He was like, hold up, hold up. Do you like me? He lied. He's like, I do like you. I just thought that you were going to tell me never to talk to you again because you're so devoted to God. <laughs> and so our first conversation was he asked me, am I the kind of man that you can marry and spend the rest of your life with because I don't want to go any further if I'm not. We were like 20, y'all. That was Jesus. 20-year-olds aren't that smart. Come on. That was Jesus. Because I... I can't have true love if I don't first truly love God. I can't love my children if I don't have the love of God because the only kind of love that we can, there's three Greek words for love, probably more, but three that I know. Agape, unconditional, God love. Filio, that's brotherly love. And then eros, that is romantic love. You understand the New Testament is written in Greek, friends, and we lose things in translation when we just see the word love. Human love, the only love that we know how to have without God in a relationship, in a marriage, is eros, romantic love, that romantic comedy, uh, lifetime movie stuff that has these women all kinds of mess up in their mind. 
thinking that that's real life, right? It doesn't last. I don't want my husband just to have arrows. I mean, I want him to think I look good. I want him to show me some attention. Come on, I am a human. But I want him to have agape love, unconditional. When I mess up, he still loves me. He can't have that for me if, I don't, if, if he doesn't have that for God. I can't have that for him. I can't have that for my son. I can't have that for anyone. One time my son came to me. Don't be mad, sure. I ain't telling details. just a story, okay? One time my son came to me <laughs> a, a year ago or so, and he was struggling with something. And he was crying. And he came to me and he said, how can God ever love me? I said, son, God's going to love you because of grace. That's what it's about. It's not because you messed up. It's not because, you, because you're always good. He loves you because he loves you and he gave his son. And his grace, his unconditional love. And he said, Mom, you remember this, son? It was a couple years ago. Do you remember this? Anyway, it happened. And it was awesome. Maybe it felt me, me better than you. And we were, we were sitting right next to each other on the couch watching a show. He said, that makes me feel so much better. And he wiped his little face and he was like, okay, grace, unconditional love. Even when we mess up, God loves us. That's the kind of love that God wants us to have for others. But if we don't have it first for him, we can't be right with others. And so, friends, please, please hear me when I say this. Receive it from God. The breastplate of righteousness can guard our heart. But we have to accept Christ-given righteousness and let it cover and protect you. We have to remember that it can only keep our heart strong and pure for God and fertile to build relationships with others if we receive it from him. It's his righteousness. Right with him first, he's going to help us be right with others. That's what righteousness is. Stand up, please. I'm a little passionate about this because I just really love God and I really love people and I want to see people right. I want to see people in right standing with God. We need him. Would you just raise your hands before the Lord and just get yourself in a place? I believe God has already ministered through the altars. He's already ministered to us through the prophetic words. And this word hopefully is just something that sinks into you, that you would know that God's righteousness is here and ready for you. If you are going through something right now and you need a fresh touch from God, you need God to touch you, you want God to minister to you, you know that you can't do this. You're saying, yeah, I hear what you're saying and it makes sense and it, it sounds like it's right, but I don't know how. I don't know how to forgive. I don't know how to let go. I'm hurting, whatever it is. Or maybe it's, I've never really accepted Jesus in my heart. So I don't know how to, I'm following my heart. I'm following worldly advice. I don't know. I need to humble myself and accept Jesus. If, if that's you in any way, would you kind of just wave your, your hand around to me, just wave it around so I can see no one's looking but me. Yeah. God wants to speak to you right now. Heavenly Father, I just pray over your, your sons and over your daughters. God, and I thank you that you love them. You love them more than any man or woman. You love them more than their mama loves them. Lord, you love them so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to die for them. And God, I pray you would touch them where they're at, whatever they're going through, whatever they face. God, that you would touch them right where they're at. And God, that you would show them your great and mighty love for them. And that you will reach down with your arm is not too short. The Lord is saying to you today, my, my arm is not too short. Your problem is not too big for me. God, your arm is not too short. We thank you, we receive your word. And we are not jumping ship. 
we receive your word and we are going to stand firm. We are going to stand firm as this full armor of God tells us. And lastly, and, for, and finally, my brothers and my sisters, stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm. Do not waver. God, I just thank you right now in the name of Jesus that your righteousness, that you would put your righteousness on your people. Place your righteousness on them so they can be in right standing with you and with others. In Jesus' name, amen.